We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Have you ever had a time where you were stressed, you were confused, uh, you didn't know a way out, you felt you didn't have the resources to get from point A to B? Well, I felt like that so many times in my life. And there was one time, it was in the sixth grade, and we were going out camping, and it was called outdoor education. And they taught us how to survive in the wilderness, how to make a fire, what leaves are good, what leaves are bad. You know, the the regular outdoor education stuff, right? So at this camp, they decided to play a game with us. And this is hide and seek on steroids because it was called manhunt. And this game of manhunt, the the camp counselors gave us 10 minutes to run as far and as deep into the woods as we can. And they would have to, after the 10 minutes, they would have to come and find us. So me and my friends, it was about six of us and we jetted out there. We were on the the relay team, so we were fast. Um, Not anymore, but that was my past, right? So don't worry about that. We were fast. They told us to go and we sprinted. We went and we looked everywhere. We looked high. We looked low to find an amazing hiding spot where our counselors, our camp counselors couldn't find us. And we found a spot. It was perfect. It had all the trees, the bushes. Some of us climbed up in the tree. Some of us went way down under the bushes and we waited and we waited. And I don't know about you, but Every time I've ever played hide and go seek and I've had a good spot, that's when I needed to go to the bathroom the most. And so at that time, I started feeling like I need to go to the bathroom, started getting nervous. We waited for so long and nobody was coming our way. So we said, okay, let's move around. Let's go to a different position. And we ran deeper down into the forest and and we found uh, another hiding spot and we got into position and we waited there and nobody came and it started getting dark outside and you started hearing the noises of the night and I don't even know what animals, crickets, uh, frogs, aliens, monsters, I had no clue, but we started getting scared. We were only in the sixth grade. You have to remember that, okay? And we started getting scared and it started getting cold. All we had on was our shorts and our t-shirts and it started getting chilly out there. And so we were like, you know what, let's make some noise. Maybe the counselors will hear us if we make some noise. And we started rustling and, hey, guys, we're over here. And still nothing. So I said, forget it, guys. I need to go to the bathroom. We're cold. We're getting hungry. Let's make it back to the campground. And we started on our way back. and, And I swear we passed the same tree about three or four times. And... We started getting really scared because we're lost now. So we found a spot. Um, Growing up, they always tell us, like, if you're in the mall and you're separated from your family, to find a spot and just stay there because that way it's easier for authorities or your parents to find you if you don't keep moving around. So we found a spot and we just waited. And as we were waiting, a few of my friends began to cry. And something deep down inside me said, sing. Now, that's just weird. Like, why would I sing? We've been yelling so loud. Uh, We can't find our way back. What good is singing? But I felt it again. It said, sing. And 
for me, I always like to make people laugh. I like me to make people smile in, in, when they're feeling down. And I knew my friends felt down at this time. And I'm not a class clown, but I like to bring joy to people. And so I started singing. And we sang and we sang and they laughed and they started singing. And in the distance, we saw light that was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we found out that the it was the counselors coming to find us. And they told us that they heard us singing. And if they didn't hear us singing, they would have turned back. You see, we went so far out of the campgrounds, we didn't even know that. We were off the property of the camp. And so they were on their way back to call 911 to see if they could get some real help to find us. But we were afraid, we were alone. We didn't feel that we had what we needed to get out of the situation. We didn't have a map. We did not have cell phones with GPS at that time. I know that dated me. We didn't have warm clothes. There was no bathroom out there. We did not have what it took. But what I did have was my voice. And I started singing. And God did with my voice more than what I thought he would do. I thought my voice was just going to make my friends happy. But God allowed the, our counselors to find us deep in the woods. Have you ever felt like that where you felt scared? You felt lost. You felt like there was no way out. That you didn't have what it took to get out of your situation. Because if that's the case, this message is for you. For you. Now, uh, what you need in order to get out of your situation, your struggle to, to conquer your fears, you already have. You have it. Whatever you need to conquer your fears, you already have it. This story I'm taking from is from the Bible. It's from Exodus chapter 4. And this story is about Moses. And we're at a part in Moses' story where he's already had an encounter with God. He's already spoken to God. God met him in a burning bush. And God is asking him, Moses, I need you to go back to Egypt, go to Pharaoh, and demand that he lets my people go. His people was the Israelites, the Hebrews. And Moses was a Hebrew too. And and Moses didn't want to go back to Egypt. He was afraid because in Egypt, like he was born a Hebrew. He was an Israelite, but he grew up in, in Pharaoh's palace. He, he was like an adopted son. He grew up in the palace. So he had everything he ever wanted and he lived a good and rich life. And there was one day he killed one of the Egyptian soldiers because of what the soldier was doing to one of the slaves, which was one of his people. And so he was on the run because he was a murderer now. He was seen as a murderer and uh, Pharaoh wanted him killed. So Moses didn't want to go back there. He was afraid. Let's take it back a little bit. We're going to go to chapter 3, verses 7. And it says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I, I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites and the, all the other ites that the Bible talks about. Verse 9, And now behold the cry of the people of Israel has come to me and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Verse 10, 
come, I will send you. This is God talking to Moses. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. Verse 11, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to, to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? We see here Moses is coming up with so many excuses of, of, Lord, who am I? Like, why would you choose me? And hasn't that happened to, to you before? It happened to me where I'm in a situation and God has asked me to do something. And I'm like, why me, Lord? Who am I that you're going to use in this situation? Moses is afraid. He doesn't want to go back. You see, the Egyptians want his life they want, because of what he did. And he's thinking probably, my people don't even want me back, Lord Jesus. Who am I? And we find it in Exodus chapter 4. He continues to make more excuses of why God shouldn't use him. Exodus chapter 4 verse 1 says, Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. Lord, they're not going to believe me. He's coming up with more excuses. Moses is fearful. Lord, who am I? In the other chapters, it says that he, he came up with the excuse that, Lord, I stutter. I, I'm not well in my speech. I'm just a shepherd, Lord. Um, and that was considered one of the lowest positions at the time. I am just a shepherd. Lord, I've been gone for Egypt, from Egypt for so long. Who am I that you want to use me to let your people go? Lord, I don't even have an army behind me. Like, I'm going to go face the Egyptian army. They have horses, chariots. They have soldiers. I have nobody. God does not deny Moses' concern. But God, when he, God sends you, he will equip you. Let's look at verse 2. It says, The Lord said to him, What is in your hand? And he said, A staff. Now, God's question what is in your hand? What do you have, Moses? Moses is probably thinking, uh, God, what kind of question is that? I have a staff. I am a shepherd, right? Like, this is what I use to take care of my sheep. What is in your hand, Moses? He's looking at this piece of wood like, I have a staff. The Bible says it, you know, a staff. There's no question mark. Moses wasn't questioning what he said, a staff. There's no exclamation point like, oh, this is amazing. I got a staff. He just literally says a staff, period. I have a love-hate relationship with, with social media, especially Facebook and Instagram. Because there's so many times I'm on my phone and I'm scrolling and I'm so busy looking at what other people have, you know, that I forget what I have. And I start thinking about, okay, this person has this, this person has this, that's why they could do that. Um, and I start thinking and counting of everything I do not have. Lord, I do not have enough money. I don't have the right resources. I don't have the right status. But God is not asking us, what don't we have? He says, what do you have? Moses is a shepherd, so he has a staff and he uses it to protect his sheep and to lead his sheep and to take care of his sheep. His staff is just a plain old piece of wood. Moses probably carved that staff himself from a, a tree that he picked out. 
So there's nothing special in the staff. He's like looking at it like, Lord, I have nothing. It's nothing special. But what we need to learn is that what's nothing to us is something to God. Moses' staff is used to protect his sheep. But when, but when God gets into his staff, when God uses his Moses staff, that staff was going to protect God's sheep, which was the people of Israelite. When Moses has his staff, he uses his staff to lead his sheep to water. But little did Moses know that that same staff was going to lead God's people not to water, but through water as the Red Sea would open up. What's nothing to us is something to God. Let's look at verse 3. It says, and he said, this is God speaking to Moses, throw it down on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. So first of all, that first section, it says, um, God asked Moses to throw it on the ground. That's a weird request, God. The staff is used to help be held high so that the sheep could see where their leader is. Like, what's the point in throwing my wooden staff on the ground? Now at this point, obedience is key. God wants him to listen to God and do as he says. And the stick turns in, it says the stick turns into a serpent, which is a snake, right? And Moses ran. This would freak anybody out, right? Especially my husband. My husband hates snakes. If he sees a snake on his phone, he would let go of that phone and run. He hates snakes. Me, on the other hand, I ain't worried about a snake. I've held snakes before. I've put it around my neck. But if you tell me to take a stick and throw it on the ground and it turned into a snake, yeah, I'll be out of there. So there's nothing special about this, snake, this stick, but it turns into a snake. Moses didn't expect this to happen. The staff is just a dried old piece of wood. It's nothing special. But God needed Moses to know that there wasn't power in the staff itself, but there's power in doing and listening to what God says. I think of an old hymn and it says, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, to, but to trust him and obey. So the staff turns into a snake and Moses runs. And what's funny is that sometimes we may run away from the very thing God has transformed in our lives to be a blessing. Let me make sure I say that's right. We have to be careful because we can run away from our own blessings. That staff turning into a snake was going to be a blessing for Moses. Moses had to go back to the Israelites and he had to prove to them that he um, was sent by God. He had to show them signs that God really spoke to him. So that staff was a turning into a snake was a blessing for him. We need to be careful that even if we're fearful of the things that God has transformed in our lives for blessings, that we do not run away from them. Because when God gets in something, it's exactly what we need. And that snake at that time was exactly what Moses needed. God anointed that staff and it became a snake. The staff is just a dried piece of 
wood, but God made it come alive. And sometimes our prayer needs to be, God, my marriage, it's dead. It's the dry, like your dry piece of wood, right? God, my marriage is dead. I need you to get in it so it could come alive. Lord, my business during this COVID season, my business is becoming dead. Lord, I need you to get in it so it could come alive. My worship, Lord, I, I miss singing and praising and worshiping with my church fellow brothers and sisters. Lord, I'm at home alone. I need you to get in my worship so it can come alive. Lord, my finances, they're going down. Lord, I, I don't know how to pay my bills. I don't know how to make ends meet. Lord, I need you to get in my finances and I need you to make them come alive. Let's go to verse four. Verse four says, but the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he caught it and it became a staff in his head. Pick up, pick it up by the tail, Lord. Like for those of you who know anything about snakes, you do not pick up a snake by the tail. That is crazy because it will turn around and bite you. But God instructed Moses to do something that was otherwise, otherwise foolish because he wanted, he wanted Moses' faith to grow in him. God will sometimes ask us to do things that are foolish, that may seem dumb, that may make no sense to us or even to others, especially our families and our friends looking in and they're like, why would you do that? That doesn't make sense. But when you feel it in your heart to, to do what God says, God wants you to listen and obey, but not just listen, obey. He wants you to continue to follow in his instructions. And his instructions are find, found right here in his word, the Bible. If you're not obedient with what God tells you to do, that blessing can turn around and bite you. If you're not obedient to um, that blessing, that business that God blessed you with, it could turn around and bite you if you're not following the way God intended you to run that business. Your marriage, that happily ever after that you expected, that marriage could turn around and bite you if you're not following it to the way God intended you to live your life with your spouse. Those children, God, oh, be with us. The mothers out there, those children that are supposed to be a blessing to you can turn around and bite you if you're not raising them in the love and the kindness and obedience that Jesus shows us in his word. Moses had to face his fear. Although it was a weird thing that God asked for him to pick up a snake by the tail, he had to Show God that I trust you and I'll obey you. But not just the snake. He had to be obedient to God telling him to go back to Egypt. He was afraid. He had no army to back him up. He thought it was impossible. How do I go face Pharaoh, a king of a land and who has chariots and, and soldiers and armies? How do I go face him without an army? This is impossible. But we need to learn that what's possible, sorry, what's impossible to man is possible with God. Because God can take our ordinary and make it extraordinary. When things are placed in God's hand, he will take our ordinary and make it extraordinary. When David 
uh, the story of David and Goliath, when David had those five stones and he had a slingshot, which was just seen as a, a kid's toy, he took the ordinary and made it extraordinary. He was able to slay the giant, the giant of the land and win the, the war at that time. When God's robe, a regular cloth, everybody's outfit was made with that kind of cloth. But when it was placed on the body, that ordinary became extraordinary. And when somebody touched the hem of his garment, she was healed. There was healing power in it. There was a little boy and all he had was two fish and five loaves of bread. But God took his ordinary lunch and was able to make it extraordinary and fed 5,000 people. God wants to take your mirrored and make it not just ordinary. He wants to make it extraordinary. God wants to take your relationships and not just leave it as ordinary. He wants to make it extraordinary. To man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's why you need to stop making excuses and use what's in your hand. Because God wants to take your ordinary and make it extraordinary. See, crucifixion, back in the days, that was actually ordinary. It was nothing new. It was nothing special. It was punishment for sinners. It was punishment for people who disobeyed the law, murderers, robbers, thieves. That's what the crucifixion was. The crucifixion was something ordinary. But Jesus' crucifixion, now that was extraordinary. It was extraordinary because a sinless man took the sins of the world upon his shoulders. A man who knew no sin, who was blameless, who was perfect, took our sins so that we may have eternal life. So crucifixion may be ordinary, but Jesus' crucifixion is extraordinary. In John 3 verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world, this ordinary world that he gave his only begotten son, an extraordinary son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God wants to take your ordinary and make it extraordinary, but you have to be willing to release what's in your hand for him to anoint and make it something beautiful. What's in your hand? Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.